0: Because our king is not like some ruler who's sitting at the far end of a table distant from us as he sends us to march off to our doom and to fight the battle. Yes, he is exalted, but he also stooped down to be among his people and to come and live as a man. Jesus, the, as he says here, the Son of God, Jesus who is now ascended into heaven, had come down to earth. And he came down, so that he could wage the war and fight the battle. This message is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. Ancient Faith for Today's World. March 6, 2022. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. You've probably heard the news commentators recently talking about the big contrast between the president of Ukraine and the president of Russia. On the one hand, they'll point out the Russian president is sitting at his long table, separating himself from all of his commanding officers and his subordinates. This is his design to portray himself as far above them. Meanwhile, on the other hand, you have the Ukrainian president among his troops, not far from them or distant, but standing among them, dressed often it seems like them, and interacting with not just his commanders and troops, but his people. It's a striking contrast. He's portraying himself more like the legendary King Arthur, sitting around his round table with all of his knights' equal status around him, there at the battlefront, fighting alongside them. And so, of course, most people will favor him over the other president. How do you picture your king, your ruler, Jesus? There are some who might picture him as if he's distant, exalted, and far off, and perhaps not close to his people. And yet others will picture Jesus as one who stoops down, who comes among his people and walks among them, and shares in their sorrows and their trials, and who fights alongside them. Jesus is like the latter, but even greater than that. That's what we'll see today as we look at the writer to the Hebrews in chapter 4. We'll see him reveal just what kind of a a ruler, what kind of a picture we have of our King Jesus. As our King Jesus conquers all for us, as he obediently fights temptation and rules in our stead. Jesus Jesus is just the champion, just the representative, just the the ruler, the king that we need, the only man who could do this. The writer the Hebrew starts here in chapter 4, this section, by saying, Since we have a great priest who's gone into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Hold on to your confession of Jesus. It's like he's saying, Don't be embarrassed. Fly your flag. Let the world know who you follow and who is your king. Jesus, hold on to the faith we profess. Sometimes our perception or evaluation of our ruler can fluctuate. It wasn't that long ago, just two months ago, that the Ukrainian president wasn't highly regarded by a lot of people in Ukraine. In fact, I heard an interview when someone was asking a Ukrainian woman what she thought of their president and how good of a job he was doing, and if he could be trusted. She responded by just laughing. That was two months ago. Her esteem of him was so low that all she could do was laugh at the question in response. But now commentators are remarking on how popular the president has become as he stands by his people. You see, our, our estimation of leaders can fluctuate. What about yours, of your king, Jesus? How would you portray and how would you describe him to those around you? Do you let others know that you hold firmly to your confession of him and his word? Sometimes that... Confession might fluctuate as we face trials or as we begin to wonder if our king is really fighting on our side and our perception of him, our picture of him begins to falter. And really, how, how would it look when someone said, what do you think of your king? Maybe with your mouth you could say wonderful words on how you adore and follow your king, Christ, and how you consider him to be a great ruler. But what about the rest of your life? Do your actions throughout the day, not just on Sunday morning, but throughout the week, support Jesus as your king? And do people clearly see you support him with your offerings as you support mission work and the spread of his kingdom? And do people see you with your mouth and with your mind and your heart following Jesus always as your king? Do you speak of your king to strangers? Do you, so to speak, fly the flag and let it be known you are proud of Jesus? Hold on to your confession. I think we all have to admit it, at times, we're not holding on to our sword, holding on to our confession and our faith as much as we ought. But We need to. Because whether you feel it or not, we are in a battlefield. And that spiritual battle that we are facing is waging war against the devil. And we are weak. When we look at how we fight that battle, the devil seeks to destroy God's people and to pull them away from their king and pull them outside of his kingdom. And the devil would have you think, Does your ruler, your God, really love you? So that many men, instead of fighting for their king and holding on to him, will turn aside from the word of God. They will turn to selfishness, indulgence, To coveting and to lust, and instead of believing what God promises is good, they will strive after their own goodness, and in doing so, will fight for the enemy, the devil, against their king. And they have betrayed their king in those times where they have strayed and fallen into the devil's pit and his trap. Men, what temptation! What lie of the devil has caused you to fall on the battlefield and to lose the field and to turn aside from your king? And of course, just as the first man and first woman doubted the goodness of God, so also women today doubt the goodness of their king. And they too hear the lie, does your God really say and does he really love you? So women too are tempted to give in to the lies And they too lose the battle as they they buy into the, the lies of the devil that perhaps their body and their outward appearance are all that really matters. A lie perpetuated by the devil who manipulates them and who manipulates men so that they fight on the wrong side. And the devil wins the day. Woman, what temptation have you given into recently that has caused you to fall in weakness? We are all weak, and all of us on the battle against our enemy have fallen. The first man and woman, our parents have fallen, and so do we, every one of us. Politicians fail as they resort to lies and prize for power. Pastors fail as they patronize and turn aside from the truth. Everyone, parents, fail as they fail to love their children and parent. And the battle's lost. You see, we we need to have a confession. And we need more than just our king. We need what the writer to the Hebrews says here, a high priest, someone who steps in between us and our God, the God who we have turned aside from in sin. And we need someone who will intercede because we've betrayed and joined the enemy. We need him to bring us back, to bring redemption and forgiveness and to offer the payment. We need a priest. What are we to do when we face the battle and we recognize our weaknesses and our failings and the temptation that popped in your mind in which you gave in? The writer to the Hebrews says, hold on. Hold firmly. Let's hold firmly to the faith we profess. The faith that we profess is what the writer to Hebrews is giving the second generation of Christians who received God's Word. It was passed on to them from those who knew Jesus, their great high priest. And the faith that we profess has been passed on to us throughout the ages for thousands of years. It was professed by the reformers 500 years ago as they said, let's hold firmly to Jesus. Not try to fight this battle on our own, but hold firmly to him. And it's you who now have that faith and profess Jesus as your king, hold firmly to that confession. And why? Why did the ancient Christians and why do Christians today hold on to Christ in the face of the battle? Because our king is not like some ruler who's sitting at the far end of a table, distant from us as he sends us to march off to our doom and to fight the battle. Yes, he is exalted, but he also stooped down to be among his people and to come and live as a man. Jesus, the as he says here, the Son of God, Jesus, who is now ascended into heaven, had come down to earth and he came down so that he could wage the war and fight the battle. And our Jesus knows what it is to fight the battle. Far from a distant king who sends off his troops, Jesus can sympathize with us and knows our weaknesses. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Jesus came down, our priest and our champion, And he, in the true human flesh, faced all the same temptations that you have come across. Remember how we read in the scriptures how the devil tempted him at the start of his ministry for 40 days and 40 nights and came back at an opportune time and tempted him often. Jesus waged that battle. And he fought the devil one-on-one for us. And for all those temptations that you faced, Whatever temptation it was that popped in your mind in which you failed, your champion stepped in to fight it. And he faced that very same temptation, a real temptation against the devil, in which he was tempted to turn aside from the goodness of the Father and doubt the love of his God, of his Father. And Jesus, in human flesh, lived as our champion. He didn't just come in to fight for us. He came in to win the battle for us. It says, he was tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. You see, not only did Jesus fight the devil in your stead, but he did not fail. As the Son of God, he was sinless and holy, and he fought the devil to win for us. And the battle he fought wasn't, wasn't like a, a commander leading his troops off on the field. No, the battle he fought was much like what we're going to read on Sunday about King David. There was David, seeing all the army of Israel cowering in fear at the champion Goliath. And the the threat was put out there that whoever would fight Goliath would have to face him one on one. And if they would defeat Goliath, the Israelites, all the Israelites, would together win with their champion. David stepped up to be that champion. And with the Lord fighting for him, he defeated the enemy Goliath. And with David, all of Israel won the battle because their champion had defeated the enemy. That's like what Jesus did for us. He not only came to lead us in the fight, he came to win the fight. And he faced the devil alone for us and in our stead and won the day, was without sin. Jesus is our champion, our king. But let's not lose sight of what the writer to Hebrews is also describing him. He's not just our king, he is also our priest. Let us then approach the throne of God, the throne of grace, with confidence. Our great high priest not only lived as our champion, but died as our sacrifice you see to pay the price for our betrayal for all of our sin our great high priest came and stepped in for us in the old testament a priest would offer up a sacrifice to god and he would be the go-between between god and sinners the priest would make the intercession so that they could be forgiven and their sins would be covered Like all the priests before him, Jesus offered a sacrifice. Only his was before the very throne of God. He entered into the throne of heaven to offer up that sacrifice. And Jesus, once for all on the cross, made the payment of himself, the holy, precious blood of a champion. And their high priest, like a a defense lawyer, like a judge, like an arbitrator in a, a case or maybe even you could say like an insurance adjuster, said, all the liability is gone. All the guilt is removed because the payment's been made. The payment wasn't made by us, but by our priest. And so we can look to our champion, Jesus, our great high priest, Jesus, who lived and died for us and who rose again to be our king. He says, let us approach God's throne of grace With confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You know, in the ancient world, you couldn't approach a throne of a king. Kind of like today. Imagine if you would come before the the President of the United States and just run up to him. The Secret Service would tackle you, asking, What were you thinking? You, You can't just do that. You can't just run up to the President. And now, We have access to the greatest king. And we don't need to approach his throne with fear or trembling, but we can approach with confidence because it's called God's throne of grace. Our champion Jesus, who lived for us, our priest Jesus, who died for us, is now also our living priest and king. And from his throne flows forgiveness and grace. Remember that sin? That temptation that you gave into, which popped into your mind? Your champion defeated the enemy. Your priest paid the price for that sin. And now your king grants you pardon for that sin. From his throne of grace, you find forgiveness for every battle that's lost. Let us approach that throne with full confidence of faith. So how do you picture Jesus? Picture him as, yes, high and exalted, our living king. But picture him as, yes, the one who can sympathize with us. Jesus, the one who overcame temptation by his obedience. Jesus, our champion. Jesus, the great high priest who offered up the payment. And Jesus, the king, from from whose throne we find grace upon grace.